0: We're in a series, and it's a spin-off series of the in the beginning series. And I started it last week, so if you weren't here last week, uh, you would have missed the first one, and I encourage you to listen to that. It's it's a spin-off uh, series, kind of like you know, a television series, and you take a character from there and then have a spin-off series. This is taking a thought from the in the beginning series and making it its own series, and it's the power of a word, the power of the word. Um, and just talking about how words have impact in our life, words are so important. You know, JFK said we're going to put a man on the moon in 1960 in '69 we put a man on the moon. The words ignited a vision in people, and then there was a pursuit for the word. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. said he had a dream, and it it, it begun the pursuit of transformation in dealing with racial or, or ethnic concerns. Their words are powerful. Words are powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who eat it or love it will eat its fruit. Now, here's the interesting thing, and, and I heard this a lot this week, and there's nothing wrong with what, what they were saying to me. But a number of people emailed me and said, that message was so great, I, had to, I sent it to a ton of people. <laughs> well, that's great, but the message really wasn't for them, it was for you. And isn't it interesting that it is pretty hard to tell for myself that I might have a challenge with my words? Like, we can see it in everyone else. We could see their struggle with words because we experience the effect of those words in my life, but a lot of times we don't always experience the impact of my words on other people's lives because we say our words and then we leave and we don't know what we've left. There is power of life and death. Like, we say we believe in the power of words, but we don't talk like we do. We use words very loosely. We often use a lot of words that really impact. And if we recognize a few truths like this, and I know you're going to love this, especially out here in Farmington, right? I know you're going to love this, right? We, we, we don't recognize that every human being, I mean, we know this, but do we believe that every human being is the object of God's love? Do you believe that? Look, I know that. I know that you know it. But do you believe it? That means every single person you come into contact with, God loves as if they're one of His kids. Because they are. Hopefully, one day going to be one of His children. Right? But do we talk to them as though we love God? Like, for, for instance, for instance, um, Jed has a lot of kids. And he's sitting down there, and you say, I really love Jed. You know, one of the best ways to love Jed is to love his children, even when they're tearing your house apart, (laughs) right? Right. Why? Because when I love his kids, it's as though I'm demonstrating my love for him, right? They're the object of his loves, because those kids are the objects of Jed's love. Does that make sense? So when you have a politician that you disagree with and you attack that person with your words that bring life and death, you are not walking as a believer in Christ because you don't recognize they are an object of his love and my words have the power of life and death. Don't tell me you love God and then attack somebody you disagree with. You can disagree with what they think, but you, for, you better not attack the person That's about half the people in this room you're, because my power has the power to change a situation. We believe, like we know that words have the power of life and death, but when we get into a situation, we separate that what I was talking about back here has no impact for why I'm in this place because we, we say things. We're living in the fruit of a decision that was made words that were spoken months, weeks, days. A while ago and now we're living in this environment where things are going and we're blaming everything around me for why I'm here we're blaming God for why I'm in this place We're we're saying why did you put me here and God said you're there because your words put you in that place but you don't remember your words being spoken back there you have determined your future by your words at power of life and death James says it's like a rudder of a ship your, word, your words set you on course for a location that you're now sitting in, and how many know human nature loves to blame everybody else? Everybody else is responsible for why I ended up in this place. God's responsible for why I ended up in this place, when in reality, maybe you should start taking a look at your own words. We love, we love to blame other people and other things. Look at this verse in Matthew. I read it last week. I'll read it again. It says, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Does that make sense? Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. That part of the verse is just establishing a truth, right? So you're sitting there reading that and saying, okay, then, then we got to make the tree better so we have better fruit, Right? if we don't want a bad one. He says that these Pharisees who are religious people, and quite frankly, they were, their behavior was great. They were very religious in their behavior. Everything was wonderful and great. They were doing what the Bible said to the letter of the law. I mean, these are people doing that, and he calls them brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? But they're doing everything in their power to fulfill what they were told to do that was good. Now you're telling me I'm evil? Did you follow that? You've been raised in the church. You've been living exactly how your youth pastor told you you're supposed to live in your past, and you're living all the behaviors, and then you come, and this guy comes along and calls you a brood of vipers and that you're evil, and I've been behaving the way I should be behaving. It goes on, and it says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. Somebody's saying, oh, no. Somebody in here saying, oh, no. Because you say a lot of words... Because you just like hearing yourself talk. How many in here know who I'm talking about? De- like you sit in the car and talk to yourself. Like you can't drive a mile without being on the phone with somebody, right? <laughs> no one in here like that. How many you got it? Okay, you know. <laughs> For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be Condemned. It's, it's interesting, because I'll, I'll read the message. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be salvation, and words can be your damnation. Words. I don't know that I would have believed it if it isn't in the Bible, but words have an impact. So our immediate thing is, well, then I need to be more careful than, and how I talk, Right? I mean, my wife said this to me. She said, one of the easiest things to understand is the power of words. The hardest thing to fulfill is watching your mouth. Isn't it true? But here's the problem. This, that's, that's the problem, is we think, once you hear this message, I need to watch what I say. And that's what a lot of people do. They watch what they say. <laughs> they watch themselves say it. <laughs> they never changed it. They just watch themselves say what they always said. Because you can't, you cannot change your words. Let's say the benediction and go home. You're doomed to failure. <laughs> Praise God. Just experience the death that you're going to experience because you can't control your words, right? The Bible says that it isn't your mouth that you got to control. It's your heart that needs to be changed. Your heart is the tree. Your words are the fruit. People will eat the fruit of what's in your heart. And the only one who can change your heart is God. And the only one who can give God your heart is you. It's the only thing you have you can give God. The only thing God doesn't have that you have is your heart. It's the only thing he doesn't have is your heart. And he purposely gave it to you so that you could give it back to him, and then he fills it. But most of us reserve our heart for the Vikings. (laughs) You knew I was going to bring up something like that, right? Some of you are reserving your heart for things that don't bring life. Like the Vikings. <laughs> I'm just... In order for our words to change, our heart must change. If you heard my message last week and you said, you know what? I, I struggled with fulfilling the word. That's because you, you're trying to focus on how you're saying rather than saying, God, here's my heart. What, what this has always come back to is He's the source of... For everything in my life. When I receive from him, I contain in my heart what he gives me, then I'm able to broadcast heaven to earth. Right? Say this with me. If you go through Kairos, you do the hand motions like in kids' church. Right? You receive from God. No one's doing this. I'm there. You receive you contain give yourself a hug oh i just love you right and and i'm not and then you broadcast do your sprinkler dance okay your sprinkler dance all right right that's but what are we broadcasting if we're not receiving from him we're broadcasting death and we're okay with that because i'm going to heaven but I'm not broadcasting it to anyone. As long as I go to heaven, I don't care how much hell I bring in other people's lives through my mouth as long as I'm going to heaven. Now, some would argue you might want to consider whether you're really going to heaven. What I've discovered, and this is going to be challenged for some people, what I've discovered, it's a lot harder to get saved because you're not going to lose it. Than it is to receive it with just a prayer. For instance, when you come to Christ, there are people who say, Well, I don't know when I got saved. Hmm. Yeah, and I don't know when I got married. You may not remember the date of your wedding, you only do that once. <laughs> but you're not gonna forget the event. You're going to remember what it was like, where it was, what happened, what he looked like, what she looked like. It was amazing, right? But you're not going, going to forget the event. You may not remember the date Christ came into your life, but you will remember the event he came into your life. Some of you are just like, well, I was just raised in the church. Brood of vipers you have a religious experience not a salvation experience i mean we did a podcast on being born again this last thursday and it really came to life as a preacher how serious we have to be how can it that's like saying i'm married to my sister because i was raised with my sister that's gross Just because you were raised in the church doesn't make you a believer. There has to be a moment when the evil nature died of death and there was a rebirth. You were born again where it stopped being dead and it started being alive. You can't have words of life if you've not experienced life. It starts from the tree of life, Jesus, right? And we talked about this last week that the Word was Christ. Christ is the Word. If I have a relationship with Jesus, I need a relationship. I'm having a relationship with God's Word. The Word, I'm in relationship with His Word. If I don't have a relationship with His Word, I don't have a relationship with Christ. If I don't know His voice, how can I follow Him? So you may be, religiously speaking, a Christian, but don't deceive yourself. You're not. You're not a follower of Christ. Listen to me. I'm saying exactly what I just said. You're not a Christian if you don't know his voice. When somebody says, yeah, I'm a Christian, been for 25 years, I have no idea, never heard his voice. I would tell that person, you need to meet Jesus, you're not a Christian. This is not about a set of rules where we're bored out of our mind in church and we have no desire to go to a church, where people are alive and they're expanding. We're sitting there, I can't wait until this is done. Boy, I missed the only reason I'm in church today. I missed three and I want to keep God happy. When we have life, life is in us. We can't help but exude it to people around us. And it comes out in the Word. Why? Because Christ is the Word. And that word in me comes out of my heart in a word of power and life. We sit there and we don't even want to worship. I don't want to sing. I want to talk with my voice. I don't want to exalt God with my audible voice. Why did He give it to you then? The word is Christ. Christ is the word. We need a relationship. You say, I'm in relationship with Christ. Most Christians, people who call themselves Christians, don't even know what that means. They call religion relationship because they have no idea. Relationship is being in the word, and the word is in me. If we want our words to change, we have to say, God, come and pursue my heart as I pursue your heart. Change my heart. Judge the attitudes of my heart. Here's, here's the first point, really. It's words have cost. Words have a cost. Can I speak freely? Can I speak freely? Actually, I can't. I just said they had a cost, and you, and you guys said I could speak freely. <laughs> gotcha. Here's the lie, that words are free. They're not free. Your words are not free. We live in a nation where we're proud of the fact that we have the freedom of speech. And I'm not saying it's, it's bad because it's the freedom of speech. It didn't mean it was free. The words we use are free. You have the freedom to say whatever you want to say. But make no mistake about it, those words will cost you something. Those words are going to cost somebody something. And we think just because we live in a country where they say your words are free, then it's okay to use our words any way we want. And we're living in a season of time where people are getting on social media platforms and they are saying all kinds of things with their words. We are where we're at right now because many people in this country have become terrorists with their words. They may not have bombed a World Trade Center or dropped a nuclear bomb on this nation, but what the enemy has been doing is destroying us from within because even believers in Christ are some of the loudest users of their words to destroy people. You may not like Biden. You need your heart heart changed. You don't have to like what he decides but God calls you to love him and not tear him down. But as Christians, we feel justified because the decisions he make, he's making are what we believe are ungodly or what people under him working for him are doing are ungodly. So we feel justified because we don't agree with the policies. We somehow justify our use of words. That is not what this world needs. This world needs a people called by the name of Christ, word, that speak those words of life into a dark world, not act like the world, not talk like the world. Psalms 141 says this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. How many say that's my prayer right now? How many like me don't recognize that, that I use my words in a way that can be destructive, right? Raise your hand. You say, yeah, I recognize that. Like, like, literally, I know, and there are times I don't even realize that I do it. I don't even realize I'm doing it. Because I've been raised by people that taught me how to communicate in a manner That I think is normal. And so we don't even realize how often we speak death into the people around us. But I can see how it is for everyone else because when they speak death, I ate its fruit, I know that tree is not good. I can see how they failed. Here, Psalms 39, I love this verse. Probably my favorite verse of this message. I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. So today, on this uh, celebration of getting together, we have some merch out there, sweatshirts, muzzles, branded with a... We figured that since we're preaching on it, you could probably make use of a muzzle at work with your boss. You go into a meeting with your boss, you're pretty upset with it. Just put a B-rock muzzle on. He may ask what it is. I'm just honoring the word of God. I got to put a muzzle on to keep my mouth shut. Right? You get in a fight in your marriage. Just, just you're you're ready to say some stuff. Put the muzzle on. Say, honey, the muzzle's on. Have you ever said that statement, I probably shouldn't say this? And then what do you do? What you're doing is you're justifying, I, I know I shouldn't say this. Actually, common sense says I shouldn't say it, or the Holy Spirit is telling me not to say it. I want to say it, and I don't care how it impacts you. It makes me good feeling when I... I have a good feeling when I say I feel good when I... I want me to feel good about... So it's it's really about me. So when we say, I shouldn't probably say this, what we're saying to the person is, you won't like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to do it because it'll make me feel better, and I really care about me than I do you. So I don't care how it impacts you. I just care about what I get out of this. And the Holy Spirit says, I wouldn't do that. You know why? Because if you say that, it's going to come back to haunt you. You think you're going to get something out of it? You won't. Because in the end, it'll come back and haunt you, and you will regret saying it. You will wish you'd never sent that email. You know, there's a thing we use called sarcasm. How many tend to be sarcastic? Right, Sarcasm is an interesting thing because um, not all sarcasm is bad. Not all sarcasm is attacking, but most of it is. Most of it is a vehicle to communicate what you feel about a person to them in a certain way to somehow say, but I don't want to take responsibility for what I'm saying. It's saying something, and there are people in here, I have a child, my mother-in-law, they don't understand sarcasm. I would sarcastically give a, com- a compliment to my mother-in-law, and she'd be offended because she thought I was insulting. No, she didn't, she didn't understand. Then just say it. Just say you like my pie. Don't say it's, you know, and, and, and I was actually kind of joking because she's always good at There isn't anything she's ever made that was bad, and she took it as an insult, and everybody else knew it was a compliment she didn't understand it. We have a daughter that works here. That does not understand, you use sarcasm with her, she'll be like, Why'd you just say that? She does not understand it at all. She's trying to learn it, she's working on it. How many in here, you don't understand sarcasm? You just don't get it, right? No one wants to, they're like, Are you being sarcastic right now? (laughs) I don't understand why you are. Sarcasm is very destructive, it's very destructive. It's, it's really a way that we use and it's often taught. Sarcasm is often the language of negative people or critical people. And they want to feel okay about being critical so they say something in a sarcastic way. Here's the second thing. Words heal and words can hurt. Words heal and words can hurt. They can do both. Here's the lie. Words hurt except when you're kidding. Words hurt except when you're just kidding. When you're joking, it won't hurt. Proverbs 26, 18 through 19 says, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. Does think, that's in the Bible? Yeah. Uh, let me give you the New James Standard version of this. Like a crazy person sitting on a hill shooting at people with a rifle is a person who says something in a deceptive and manipulative way to his neighbor and just says, I was just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's like a loaded mouth where we get and we want to we say something to someone, but we don't want them to return fire. Or we say something because we want them to know what we think about them, but we don't want to take responsibility for that confrontation. So we go in and we punch them and then we back out and say, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Because I don't want you to punch me back. But you know, when you get hit like that, when somebody comes up and they say that and then they say, just kidding. You know what it does because you know what it did to you. I was just kidding. Man. Haven't you gained some weight in the last... I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Does that... Oh, you're kidding. I thought you were serious. I have gained 20 pounds. Thank you for noticing. We, we're very... We can be very destructive in our words and then, and then say, well, I was just joking. We make statements like this. It was I was just kidding. You're, you're just being sensitive. I didn't re- really mean it any, anything by that. I didn't mean anything when I said that. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. It's like walking along and you see this tree with oranges on it. And you go up and you take an orange off the tree and, and you open the orange up and you bite the orange. You go, boy, that is one good orange. You go, orange tree, you really make good orange, oranges. And the orange tree goes and you says, I'm not an orange tree, I'm an apple tree. Don't pay any attention to the fruit on my limbs. Because I'm an apple tree. We often claim to be something that the fruit on our limbs says differently. When you're negatively talking, the fruit coming out of your tree, if it's producing death wherever you go, if you go into the workplace and it becomes toxic because you're there, because of the use of your words, you're gossiping, you're manipulating, you're, you're creating tensions, you're, you're constantly, stop for a moment and consider what, is, what fruit is on my limbs and then ask yourself, where does that come from? the heart it comes from the heart it's it reveals what's in your heart so when i hear it come out of my mouth we should stop and say god i didn't even realize that that was still in my heart when we when we see somebody that we had in a situation with and we're kind of critical to them or we say something to them out of our mouth we say something about them to someone else or or we say something to them or or we we declare online something about that person you stop and you say well no i don't have a an issue with that person ah but your mouth says differently Because out of your mouth, you find out what's in your heart, and we need to stop and say, oh, thank you, God, for out of my mouth, it revealed that this is still in my heart. And God, I don't want it in my heart anymore, so will you deal with that offense in my heart? Will you deal with that offense in my, will you come and deliver me from the pain of that offense so that when I see them, it's no longer in my heart, that I can talk life, speak life about that person than death? How many want people to speak life over you and about you? You know, there's so many principles involved here, like sowing and reaping. Do you really think if you sow uh, critical words about other people, you won't reap them over your own life? Do you know even there's a deep insecurity in our heart when we attack other people with our words? It's like terrorism, really. Really? That we're more destructive, uh, there are some people you need to forgive. I heard a story today uh, there there was a huge lake, huge lake and people and, and um South America or Africa was one of the two and people were dying. They were drinking water out of this lake and they were dying and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. They but they knew it was the water creating it and they looked to try to figure out. They had divers trying to find out what was in the water and they couldn't figure it out until somebody coming into the village to help saw something in a river that came into it and they found a pig, a mama pig and all the pig piglets dead in the river. And the water had to flow through their dead carcasses to get into this lake that they drank from. And it affected the entire lake. When you get bitter, when you, don't, when you have unforgiveness in your life, it won't just affect the relationship with that person. It will affect all your relationships because the, the flow of that's got to flow over that putrid, dead, poisoned uh, thing in the water. It affects how you talk about everything, how you see. You know, everyone is in a battle. If if we were to go across this room today and, and every person in here would say, this is the battle I'm facing. Every single person is in a battle. What this world needs is not people who attack them and create more battles. It needs a people. It needs a people with the words of life. What our world needs right now is not not even now. I hear what I'm saying. It's not that we need God. This world already has God. The world already has God. And we say, well, we need a revival. No, what we need are the people of God to wake up and to find the source of life in their heart, and then to use words that would bring life to people within their battles. We need people who speak life. And we need need to understand the importance of even prophecy and day-to-day life, that God wants to use His kids to use their words to speak life into people that need to hear from God. We're always waiting for other people to do that for us, but God's saying, I want to use your mouth. I want your mouth to be the the, the thing that channels my word into the lives of people where we commit our mouths to the Lord and say, God, I commit my mouth to you so that out of this mouth can flow mercy, out of this mouth can flow grace, out of this mouth can flow favor, out of this mouth can flow joy, out of this mouth can flow life to people. That when we go into a place and and it's not working like it should, that when we come in, we recognize that I'm a vessel of God to bring his word into a Starbucks that's all chaotic and you just speak life to people. And when you leave, that place is different because it experienced something it could not get on its own because you were there. You know, the Bible says... It says where he is is holy ground. Where God is is holy ground. If God is in you, where you are is holy ground. You can walk into any environment. Well, I left there because it was just too toxic. Are you a believer? Well, yes, I am. Then it shouldn't have been that toxic. Well, I can't change it. Lie. Because it isn't you changing it, it is God through you that changes that environment. If you start seeing it with the right perspective, I should be an environment changer because I'm bringing holy ground wherever I go, and my words over time will change a culture. For good, for life, or death. See, but some of you believe the lie. See, you said in the beginning of the message, you said this. Yeah, I believe what you're saying. I see, I believe what you're saying. But when I say you can change your culture, you don't believe what I'm saying. That's good. That's preacher talk. That's meant to get us excited. Now, I'm not saying amen. Because <laughs> that's what you want. And I'm not saying it. No, 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 no. I'm not doing it. That, that's exactly my point. We don't fully believe our words really can bring life in every situation the battles are attempting to influence the content of our heart that every battle we go through every disappointment we go through where it didn't happen the way we thought it happened is an attempt of the enemy to influence your heart so it can change the way you talk things that we thought god was going to do that didn't happen is trying to impact our theology to distrust God and his word so that we don't give our heart to his word. It's trying to sabotage your future through what you believe. Here's the third point. Words go on. Words go on. You know, as a parent, parents' words go on. There's words your parents have spoken over you. Your parents have forgotten long ago, but you remember because they've been the shackles or they've been the rocket in your life. It's been the thing that's inspired you to do what you've done, or it's been the thing trying to prove to them that you're right, and all you find is maybe if my parents think that about me, maybe that's what that's true. Words that hurt, words that inspire. Now you're a parent, and you're. You get angry and upset and you say something to that child and you think because when words are forgotten, they no longer have power. Your words have a lasting impact. You got angry, you got upset, you said something to your child and you think, well, when, in two, three weeks, they'll forget about it, and won't have an impact, but it will. My dad, when I was a kid, said things to me. He was pastor. Impacted my life. Words that I would hear the enemy tell me again, your dad said. He had he he actually publicly apologized, at the first church we were in, in front of the whole congregation that he had used his words. It didn't change the fact that I was affected by them. It's not like you could just take back words. It's why the Lord says, think before you speak. Because your words even when they're forgiven, still have some impact. They still contribute to this thinking of insecurity that we have in our society. Think about how words have impacted your life. We think that lie is as soon as words are forgotten, their influence is gone. We beat up with people with our words. We manipulate people with our words. There are some who think that um, verbal abuse is not as bad as physical abuse, but it really is. Verbal abuse is manipulation, trying to get people. And we use verbal abuse is not just tearing a person down. Verbal abuse is saying lies about the person that make them feel good so you can get them to do what you want them to do. Did you hear that? Verbal abuse is when you use your words to manipulate people to do something you want them to do. Words of life... Don't make them like you. Words the words of life aren't given to get them to like you. Words of life are given so that it builds them up. Did you hear that? Because there's a book called by Carnegie that said, this is how you can use your words to become an influencer so that people will follow you and that you use your words essentially to manipulate people to like you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm going to have, I need someone to come up here. Um, Jed, come up here since I already picked on you. Stand right here, Jed. This is Jed. Have I talked to you at all? Mm-hmm. I did? Okay, have a seat. <laughs> have a seat. John, come on up here. You ruined my illustration already. <laughs> have I talked to you before this message about this? You not know, today. yeah, not, not today. Come. I haven't talked to you at all, have I? about this no. did you know you were coming up here no okay put your arms out i want you to hold back and just resist me pushing down okay, okay? Uh, yeah i need you to do this isn't it no kidding remember what i said about just kidding i'm being sarcastic okay you're being sarcastic He's proven proving everything i'm just can we have a prayer worker come up here john would like to pray with you about all right okay so here it is okay okay so you're okay that's good John, you are a horrible father, a horrible son. You fail at everything, really? Um, I don't know why God created you because you don't you don't contribute anything to society you, you're you try things and it always fails. In fact, you're not a very smart person. Um, you're not good looking at all. I don't know why Bethany even married you. you're just that bad. it's just a it's a terrible, you're just, really, if you weren't here, it wouldn't make much difference. Put your arms up. Would you do that right now? Okay? Put your arms down. John, actually, you're an extremely intelligent person. You're an incredible father, patient. I have watched you take time with your kids and invest in them. You serve in kids, because not not necessarily because you want to be but because you see the importance of being in it. You have a heart of gold. God loves you. This world would miss you if you weren't here. You add to the lives of people in this room and the lives of your wife. You're an, you just, you want your wife to know how much you love her and the investment that you have her. Sure, you've done a lot of fun things in your life that would probably get you in trouble, but you've, you've done a lot of things that have brought life to people. Would you put your arms up? <laughs> You're right. Did you see it? Thanks, John. Your, your physical body responds to the power of words. Your physical body responds. If you really think tearing someone down motivates them to get better, it does not. Calling out of them who they are in Christ. You know, everything I said to John wasn't to make him feel better, but I know John, so I know what to say. That was authentic. It was authentic truth I spoke to him. And when you begin to, when your body, even though it doesn't necessarily believe it, when your body, your physical body, hears the truth about you, even though your soul denies it and believes a lie, your physical body knows the truth and it responds. Your words make you stronger or they make you weaker. They are life. They are death. You know, Psalm 62, 5 through 6 says, for God alone, O my soul, he's saying, soul, shut up. I want to only listen to God's voice. O my soul, wait in silence. He's telling his soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. He's saying, soul, shut your mouth. I'm gonna to listen to the truth of God's word. Remember, Jesus is his word. That word holds everything together. It holds everything together. It makes you stronger. You know why you need to be in God's word? You know why you need to take time to hear his voice? You thinking, well, I can just go on in life and not need his voice. That's because your normal is a life without his word. But if you would live in his word, it would change your normal and you would realize what you're losing when you're not in the word. There's a story I want to end in because uh, your words are an investment or you spend them and it destroys. But there's a story I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on right here. here it's, it was a story of a, a man, true story, called Who's Your Daddy? Seminary pr- professor was vacationing with his wife in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. One morning they were eating breakfast at a little restaurant, hoping to enjoy a quiet family meal. While they were waiting for their food, they noticed a distinguished looking white-haired man moving from table to table, visiting the guests. The professor leaned over and whispered to his wife, I hope he doesn't come over here. But sure enough, the man came over to their table and he asked them, where are you folks from? In a friendly voice, Oklahoma, they answered. He said, great to have you here in Tennessee. What do you do for a living? The man responded, I teach at seminary. Oh. So you teach preachers how to preach, do you? Well, I've got a really great story for you. And with that, the gentleman pulled up a chair, sat down at the table with the couple. The professor groaned and thought to himself, great, just what I need, another preacher's story. I hope you don't think that. (laughs) The man started, see that mountain over there pointing out the restaurant window? Not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question, hey, boy, who's your daddy? Whether he's at school or in the grocery store, drugstore, people would ask the same question, who's your daddy? He would hide at recess and lunchtime from other students. He would avoid going to the stores because the question hurt him so bad. And when he was about 12 years old, a new preacher came to his church. He would always go in late and slip out early to avoid hearing the question, who's your daddy? But one day, the preacher said the benediction so fast, he got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. Just about that time, he got to the back door. The new preacher, not knowing anything about him, put his hand on his shoulder and asked, son, who's your daddy? The whole church got deathly quiet. He could feel every eye in the church looking at him. Now, everyone would finally know the answer to this question, who's your daddy? This new preacher, though, since the situation around him, using the discernment that only the Holy Spirit could give, said the following to that scared little boy, wait a minute, he said, I know who you are. I see the family resemblance now. You are a child of God. With that, he patted the boy on the shoulder and said, boy, you've got a great inheritance. Go and claim it. With that, the boy smiled, and for the first time in a long time, And walked out a door, a changed person. He was never the same again. Whenever anybody asked him, who's your daddy? He'd just tell him, I'm a child of God. The distinguished gentleman got up from the table and said, isn't that a great story? The professor responded that it really is a great story. As the man turned to leave, he said, you know, if that new preacher hadn't told me that I was one of God's children, I probably never would have amounted to anything. And he walked away. The seminary professor and his wife were stunned. He called the waitress over and asked them, do you know who that man was who just left that was sitting at our table? The waitress grinned and smiled, of course I do. Everybody knows him here. That's Ben Hooper, the former governor of Tennessee. Someone in your life today needs a reminder of who they are. They need somebody to speak life into them. Whether you know them or not, you have the opportunity tomorrow, today speak life why because life lives in me the world isn't going to give it because they don't have it they can use words to manipulate situations but they can't bring eternal changes silver and gold have you none but what you got you can give to people and it will change their life forever it will make make them walk it will make them see it will make them hear will you stand There have been words spoken over you that aren't true. There's been words spoken over you that put a breath of life in you. The only way your words will change is if your heart changes. And the only way your heart can change is if God comes and does it. You are completely and totally dependent upon Him to change your heart. Period. So if you're freaking out, and how do I change my heart? Stop our pursuit is in our behavior our pursuit is god's heart and saying god i want your heart i want your heart i want to know your heart reveal your love when he does that it will change you forever will you close your eyes for a moment i want you to just personally have a conversation just put your heart as if your heart is in your hand saying god here's my heart i need a heart change your marriage is a mess and it isn't going to change because of counseling it's going to change when you get a heart change things, you put your heart right in your hand saying, God, here's my heart. Will you transform me? And in 30 seconds, Pastor Zach's going to come up here and he's going to pray with you. But just have that time right now with him.